Greetings, everybody, and welcome to the Manifesting Brilliance Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Hoff, and it's uh, my pleasure to welcome you today to this conversation about what it means to live your authentic life, uh, what it means to be connected to the, to the divine. Um, as you know, if you listened to the podcast before, this is a very low-tech operation. I'm not recording in a studio or in a sound booth or anything of that nature. I'm sitting at my desk in Palm Springs, California, in my home. My Boston Terrier, Queenie, is sleeping next to me. If you listen carefully, you might hear her snore. Uh, So this is a busy neighborhood. It's a busy household. So if you hear any background sounds, please forgive those. Ultimately, what I hope to offer you is valuable content that will help you show up in, in your life a little bit more authentically. Today, I have a guest, um, and I will welcome her in just a moment. But before we do that, as always, let's take a moment just to ground ourselves. And as always, I like to begin the podcast in the same way that Marianne Williamson, who is one of my paper mentors, um, because I've read her books and followed her online, etc. cetera. Uh, this is how she begins her talks. So if you'll just take a breath with me. And we see in the middle of our minds a little ball of golden light. We watch this light as it begins to grow larger and larger. Until now, it fills the entire inner vision of our minds. We see for ourselves within this light a beautiful temple. We see a garden which surrounds the temple and a body of water which flows through the garden. We see that the inside of the temple is lit as well with the same beautiful golden light. And here we are, for we have been drawn together by the power and into the presence of God. We devote this time spent together, all of our relationships to one another, the work we do, our thoughts, our feelings, all that we are to God's Holy Spirit. And we pray that that same Holy Spirit would lift us above and beyond the turmoil, the darkness, the illusion of this physical life, to the peace, tranquility, calm, and perfect love that we do. And so it is. So it is. Together we say amen. Amen. So it is my pleasure today to welcome Diana Hartley of True Heart Training to the podcast. So, I have been participating in this great online service called Lunch Club. And through that service, I've been blessed to meet some really fabulous people, but none more fabulous, (laughs) none more heart-centered, a kindred spirit, uh, for sure, uh, than Diana Hartley. On her website, uh, True Heart Training, she talks about how she was a trainer for companies such as Microsoft, Apple, and Hewlett-Packard. And then she writes, I always felt like an actor, an outsider playing the role that society assigned, but I never fit in, nor was I ever without anxiety. Sure, I did a great job, but I paid the price with deep tension and eventually left that world. I understand after many years that my empathic perceptions made me different but didn't know how to feel empowered by them. Today, I'm proud to be an empath because I've learned that though I am different, I have great skills and talents and care deeply for others. My first step to gaining confidence was to understand how my mind worked, the power of my deeply spiritual nature, and learning daily to guard my sensitivity by being conscious of my programming that creates fear and insecurity. Learning, Learning that I can depend on my deepest self is a daily reward, And I have to say that knowing you, Diana, has been a daily reward. (laughs) And I am thrilled to have you here. And and I think that the work you're doing is really important uh, because, as you say on your website, 20% of people identify as empaths. And it's men and women, both um, highly sensitive people. Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm one. I'm pretty sure that most of my friends are. Highly sensitive people, because I think we sort of seek out people who are like us. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to uh, dwell in this world um, 
when you're quote unquote different, um, you know, on the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ, which is 1% of the population. And so that intuitive feeling part is certainly the empathic uh, part of who I am. But Diana, tell, tell us how you define what it means to be an empath or a highly sensitive person. What is that like for you? What is it? Wow, that's a big question, Jerome. Thank you for asking. I, I think it's realizing, and I think I'm learning more and more about it, that I have always had a kind of an outsider's perspective. I've been able to look into the world and not feel like I was necessarily a part of it, which has been very helpful in many ways in in helping people, seeing what's going on with them, trying to uh, you know, kind of also intuit what what their issues are, and uh, it's it's a great gift, but it's also very difficult because when you are just you have this ability, and I've had it since I was a child. You need to have be surrounded by people like you because if you just start spouting off and explaining things and and getting into the nature of the universe, which I could when I was even a child, uh, the regular eighty percent don't understand where this is coming from and can see it as ego. But I think it's a gift because I love is like it for me. I mean, that's all, all I want to do is help people love themselves. And it, and it, and it has been a challenge to do that, but I wouldn't trade that for anything because I think love is the core of everything. And I can't, I've understood that forever. And um, yeah. And, you know, you talk about God on this podcast. And when I was a little girl, I was kind of in a non-religious Jewish family, more focusing on money than anything else. And I would, I just knew God was there. I snuck in to read the Bible uh, in our, in the den and wrote, you know, read the New Testament. I did not, well, later on I did. And I just knew the message. I understood Jesus' message. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that was it. Um, so it's a gift when I can also, when I can go out to life and in nature and just observe the beauty of this planet and the love that exists and all of the beautiful things. It's a long answer, but no, it's a beautiful answer. And I think it, I mean, it's at the core of what I talk about on this podcast, you know, that we're connected to divinity. Uh, the course of miracles says love created us like itself. And I think I knew even as a young boy that love was everything that the meaning of life, you know, it's funny people like are trying to figure out what's the meaning of life. And and to me, it just seems so blatantly obvious that the, that the meaning of life is love. We're here to learn to love one another and to love ourselves. Um, and you can't, you have to do both at the same time. You know, I've never been one of these people who believes that first you have to learn to love yourself before you can love other people. I think it's one and the same. Yeah. And it's all, yeah. And just being open to that love and knowing that that's who we are. Um, and it boggles my mind that more people don't get it because to me, it seems so innate, but you know, we've just come through this global pandemic that's still, you know, that we're still affected by. And, um, one of the people in my um, Of Course in Miracles group had posted a question. You're in that group, Diana, so maybe you saw it on Facebook. A question about the pandemic, and and I said, you know, I think it was it came to teach us that we're intrinsically connected, um, and that we need to. And the message is, we need to learn to love one another. And I and I said, remember when people were hoarding toilet paper, you know, and it was. And being the empath and being a sensitive person, I remember the fear that came over me the first time I was in the supermarket. And I wasn't so concerned about the toilet paper because I'm like, I can figure that out. I mean, whatever. That's a need, but there are other options there. But when I went to the meat counter and saw how things were picked over, and I thought to myself, what are we going to eat? And I was so overcome with fear. Because it was like, whoa, this is so real. And, you know, it took my breath away. And I, I remember that moment in the supermarket and then sort of had to calm myself down and like, okay, Jerome, you trust in God, God will provide, you know. Um, and, and so, you know, I was just picking up anything in a can or anything that I knew that we could kind of stock away because I didn't know what the situation was going to be like. Um, 
So yeah, that's sort of a roundabout way of saying that in that moment, I realized that I understood something that other people didn't get. And I understood how pervasive the overarching lack of love in general is. I think at our core, everybody gets it, but we've been so desensitized in some ways that corporations, money's the bottom line. Yeah. Money's the bottom line. You know, we had a president who was, for him, love wasn't the bottom line, you know? Um, so what, what advice do you have for people? Like, how do they get in touch with and deal with the sensitivity? You know, cause you're in your, um, the training that's coming up, um, yeah. that you're, you're promoting, um, you're talking about how people can learn to love themselves and sort of navigate this world. So what would be kind of a quick and dirty tip? I know, I know that the, nothing is that, that easy, but uh, like, well, okay. where, do we, where do we start? Yeah. Okay. We have to start with understanding that we have our, our minds, which in, in our, in my belief and other people's beliefs that are spiritual are, was never supposed to be in charge of life. And it, it became that it was supposed to be the heart and the mind was supposed to be the servant to carry out in the physical world. And we have this thing called consciousness, which animals don't, which allow us to observe, listen to our own voice, think about stuff. And that is who we really are, that part behind all this chatter and craziness. Um, and we have to learn, well, we, first of all, understanding that that's the case. So we have this incredible power in this consciousness to be able to manage our lives but the crazy stuff in the front in the head and the fear and the amygdala and and you know fight or flight as as created patterns in us which have also been passed this is not quick and easy passed down from generations this is how it is this is what reality is and you teach because of the course of miracles that it isn't that you know, and, and that's why sometimes it's hard to get a hold of because we're so conditioned to think that through our five senses, this is really life. But we need to start going to, first of all, going to ourselves as human beings and going, who am I? What do I want? Do I, you know, and, and, and really, really making a commitment not to believe everybody's opinions out here because you can be, you know, go nuts because of all of it. What do I want? Which is what you just said, inviting the Holy Spirit in to help me. Or, or meditating or whatever, finding that core, because I don't know about anybody else, but when I followed my intuition, it's spot on. I mean, I used to do recruiting like you. Right, and the yeah. way I would make a placement is when something would pop into my mind that the person and the job would connect. I never could do all the other stuff other people did. That is so crazy because it was the same. I remember, <laughs> I remember my, my manager sort of holding my feet to the fire, saying, you know, because... It was all about numbers for him. And wow. um, and he would take me in his office and he'd say, okay, this position at Mechanics Bank, you said you were going to s- submit, you know, four candidates, but you only supported, you only uh, sent two. And I said, yeah, because I knew that the second candidate I sent <laughs> was going to connect with the manager so well that she would get the position. And in fact, she did, and they had the first, same first name, and they became good friends, and ended up watching each other's dogs when one of the one of them would travel. And uh, so I knew yeah. those intuitive, I got those intuitive hits about things, and I trusted them, and I was not cut out for that numbers driven. I remember my manager also saying, "Your interviews take too long. You're not here to help these people. Right. They, you, they come in the the office, they sit at your desk, and you have to first sum them up. Can I? Can they make me money?" And I would be helping people rewrite their resumes because I was so altruistic. And I was like, oh, well, you know, they're here. Like, I want to help them. So that's why I became a resume writer and career coach and life coach. Uh, But you said a couple of things that I want to go back to. Okay. One in particular. um, And that is, um, well, two things. Um, Hopefully they'll come back to me. The first was that, that we need to be led by the heart. Yes. And, um, and uh, that the heart is actually the leader. Um, well, and I would say just to interject that if anybody goes out to heart, heart math and looks at the sure. studies, 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's a video that I have on my website that you have to click into a little bit further. It just doesn't come up. You have to ask and then you get it for free. They have done such a job with these different modules of explaining the brain, explaining that the, the mind start over explaining that the heart has its own brain that it actually creates coherence with the body and the mind so and now that we know that that's we always point here when we love somebody now if it is really there i don't know but this is where we point to this is where who we are inside ourselves and when we're we're in that love state we're we're immune to the crazy it, it's so funny sometimes you know and i'll switch from i'll be in that beautiful love space and I'm happy and I, I can have thousands of bills and I don't feel it. It's such the higher energies are so. Right, right. And then, boom, I'll fall down and I'm back. <laughs> together. There is such a demarcation of living from the mind and living from the heart. Right. And what your true desires are and who you are and what you want to be. Um, it's hard for me. I just want to teach love. Now, I'm in a world that doesn't want to believe that. So it's pretty scary. But I'm finally that's all I want to do. That's who yeah. I am. And this is all I, I have this information in me and I love people even after all my trials. And so I have to stick with that, but it's not, it's not a moneymaker necessarily. I don't know anymore. Maybe it will be some point. Well, let's hope it is. Cause you need, yeah, because we all need money to survive, but you know, you just light up when you talk about this, your passion I, is I so, it's so <laughs> obvious, but so one of the things I I'm, somewhat familiar with heart math and I haven't watched the video that you um, posted on your website, even though you've told me about it many times, I need to do that. But I did see the um, documentary called I am yes. by Tom Shadiak and he's at heart math Institute and they tell him that the heart actually sends more information to the brain than the brain sends, than the brain to, sends to the rest yeah. of the body. And I think what, and you said, maybe it's not in the heart, and it could be or could not be. But I think what it proves is that science has proven that we have a soul and we have a spirit. Right. That thing that's going to live beyond us. And that thing is what needs to be in control of our well, lives. I got to tell you, if you've ever watched anyone pass away and you see them with their last breath, and, and I've seen it three times, that the spirit is gone, man. The body is just a thing, like a tree. Mm-hmm. Well, a tree's alive, but so is a rock. And it's just like, yeah, it goes somewhere. It is not the body. It is not the mind. And it's amazing. I mean, to me, that's the most holy experience is watching someone pass away mm-hmm. and seeing it go just and then then it's just that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it we do have that. And I'm not saying love doesn't exist here, but some people don't even believe they don't know where the mind even is. Right, right. Not in the brain. So I'm saying but Every time, oh, I really care about you. At, you know, anytime, anything, we touch our hearts. I right, mean, there is right. definitely something there. Right. But no matter what has happened to me, I my heart has expanded, which means no sense whatsoever, except that this is my this is my thing, and mm-hmm. it it makes me want to cry because it's that important to me to try to help people, and it's not rocket science for me, and you know, helping people understand about the mind and the, you know, the amygdala and the old brain and all that stuff, but it's taking certain practices. It's really honoring who you really are. And right. it's, it's, it's gotta be a daily practice, as you know, using different tools like meditation or whatever, just gratitude, or I have a whole bunch of them. And that's really what the class is about. Just a little survey. And then I can, I'm going to go off in different classes and just talk about one, but just to make a commitment to yourself and also mm-hmm. to hang around when you can find like you're lucky a heart heart centered people, which I don't have a lot of um, is really key because right. if not you, I go out into the world and I just kind of, I'm in there. I can intuit, I guess their minds, I feel their head and I'm off of my rocker. You know, I'm off of mm-hmm. my love space because I'm not being reinforced. I talk to you, zap, I'm back into who I really am. So that's yeah. really important to have a community. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> there's so many directions this conversation could go, and I love it. Um, we'll do a part two. <laughs> we, we, we might have to. Um, so the other thing that you mentioned, um, which took me back to a, another uh, coach and teacher that I know of, named, her name is Felicia Searcy. She says often that the most sacred question you can ask yourself is, what would I love? 
what would I love? And I don't think I've been using that with my clients because a lot of times, because a lot of times, you know, I'll be working with uh, life coaching or career coaching um, uh, clients. And they're, like you said, they're so kind of, um, (laughs) what was that? They're mental. They're in their head. Right. Right. They're so in their head. Yeah, exactly. In their mind. And I, I sort of, because of the course of miracles define mind a little bit differently, but they're in their brains. They're in that analytical part of themselves. That's trying to figure things out. Like a, you know, one plus one equals two and everything has to be sort of logical and lined up. And in that space, we're like, we need to make things happen. And I need, you know, I need a plan and a strategy. All of those things are good. But then when I say to them, okay, what would you love? The entire energy changes. And they start responding from a different part of it. Because when we say love, it's not something we can define. We can't see it. We can't touch it. We can feel it. Can't feel it, really. It's the power that, ha- that holds the whole universe together. We just know that. It's the one thing we just know at the core of our being. And when you ask someone, what would you love? It just puts them in touch with that. I love that question. I think it's going into my class. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's say Felicia Searcy, because she's the one who who asked it of me. But it's funny because I oftentimes in my journal, I'm a big time journaler. Like if I don't know, you know, if I'm in a stuck place. I'll just start asking, what would I love? So let me ask you, Diana, what would you, what would you love? I would love to, I would love to spearhead a movement of recognition for highly sensitive people, whatever, you know, sensitive people. I have all these terms where they're recognized, you know, it's kind of like they're such a silent minority. They're not that much of a minority and that, that I can, educate the public, I mean, generally about the, the gifts. I know that now, little by little, empathy, compassion, intuition is coming into the corporate world. I mean, at least they speak it and they talk about that kind of leadership. But more and more that we feel safe, we feel honored to have this ability so that we feel that we can develop it and it'll be respected and we can use it in the different places that we know. When we know the truth, we know the truth. I mean, you, I, when I go into an organization, I'll see where all the little knots are. Just and But I'm not, don't have the PhD and all this stuff. But I can go in and do that to be able to be recognized for an empath to have this ability so that they will listen to me and make these changes that will bring them profit, happiness, and success. And, and I think that's part of it. And creating a community or communities of empaths with my program where they can come together with a specific group and they can continue to be supported that way, round table or whatever I want to call it. Um, I, you know, just where we, we have a place that we're not just so spread out and we're not just on a Facebook group where it's words typed in it's right. real in front of you people. Yeah. 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 That's, I think it's extremely important to bring the heart back into business, into how we manage our daily lives. And as you're speaking, I, it sort of occurs to me that, so your website, you talk about 20% of the population identify or know that their empaths are highly sensitive people. They don't know. That's the problem. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. I wonder if it's more than that. I, 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 I'm thinking in terms of like people I know, like my father, for example, who was so stoic. And I mean, he provided well for our family and, um, and, but was sort of a strict disciplinarian. Um, that was how he showed love. Um, met all of our needs. If my car broke down, even after I moved away from home, I'd call my dad. He'd be like, here's my credit card, take it to the shop, get it fixed, right? Always. And then I'd get a lecture, right? <laughs> it always came with lecture, but that was that was how he sh- you know, showed us. But I don't know that I ever got a hug from him, really. 
And then as he got closer to his death, as he got, was aging, he became very weepy. He became very sensitive. And I sort of thought, I sort of recognized that he was always that, but had learned. So I think more of us are sensitive. I think we're all programmed to be that, to be sensitive, to be led by the heart. But some people learn how to hide it. They learn how to well, navigate yeah. the world. And then some of us don't have, and it's a blessing that we don't. Um, but I think, I, you know. Let me explain. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you and me, but definitely me, is we have more mirror neurons. That's just what we're born with, Jerome. Okay. For Got some it. reason, okay, and with that, we sense and we 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 um, feel more of the outside than others. Now, I believe everybody has it too, and there are people that are compassionate and empathetic and kind, but they don't necessarily have this ability because they don't have this extra neurological gift. So Got the it. gift can be a painful thing because if you're if something bad happens to you, you feel it worse than anyone else. So many are that don't know how to manage their sensitivity or alcoholics, drug addicts, and all kinds of things because the pain is so enormous that they feel or the anxiety, which I feel a lot, that that and it, and I and you look at other people and like they're like, I don't understand, you know. I mean, how could you how come you feel like that? Because they don't have this extra equipment. So that's Got a it. But there Got is it. a range of people that also, you know, have that everybody. I mean, let you take it back to the course. We are all created. We are all one. So obviously there is that. This is an extra right. Thing right. And, and, and again, of course, most people for centuries, it's been about power. It's been the masculine values that have run this place, competition, separation, you know, and all the things that go on, you know, with that. In Western culture, for sure. And then as you're speaking, you're talking about some of us have this special guest. I'm thinking of like tribal communities, like, like American Indian tribes. And there was the shaman, you know, and yeah. It, like they sort of separated out, people had their roles. And I'm I'm guessing, and I don't know, and maybe you've done the research, but I'm guessing that maybe the shaman and some of the people who have these special roles in the community were the empaths. They and instead of yeah. yeah, and then instead of in our world where you're sort of shunned or sort of, you know, not necessarily shunned, but don't aren't able to find your place, there it was revered. There it was like, we understood the power of this. Well, there's so many of like that. Of course they have to, you know, and, and, and all the books we've read about it and all of that. Absolutely. That those are the people. Um, but it's so funny going back to your experience as a, as a recruiter, uh, I, they ended up firing me because I wanted to make it better, you know, because I can't stand being in an organization where I see problems and being just saying, yes, it destroys my soul. And I ended up getting canned and I ended up winning unemployment because I, I produced absolutely more than anyone else. There was no reason except I shook up the place. And that's right. what we can do sometimes if we open our mouths. So it's hard oftentimes for us to be in organizations that aren't extremely altruistic or, you know, progressive, we have to be in our own business, which uh, creates its own problems, as you know. But right. it's it's it definitely there are people you know, that are like that. I mean, there are people, I don't know, I, I'm sure psychics and all that are kind of put into this mm -hmm. way more extreme than me. I'm not in that category, but people that can see color and all of that, they, they must have a lot of this stuff or even more gifts in, in their brain to do that. So um, it, it's just, I've suffered a lot because of it. And that's why I'm so dedicated to it and hoping that I can create something that's important in the world that can help other people that maybe don't even have as much angst as I've had or trouble, but maybe just want to have more love, you mm. know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it seems so obvious to me, right? Um, uh, but unfortunately, um, not everybody's like you and me. Um, so 
you said you knew as a, as a child that you were, um, you were empathic or you, or that you were different. You had this sort of affinity towards connecting with God and knowing that love was the answer. So for parents who are listening and who maybe have a child that beats, you know, marches to the beat of his own drum and is having difficulty in school, being bullied because they're different. Um, What advice would you give to parents? Like how can they recognize that maybe their child has this gift um, and how do they help the child nurture it and, and sort of fit in or not fit in? Am I being okay with not fitting in? Exactly. Well, that, that's the hardest thing in the world, isn't it? But I would say, and this is off the top of my head because I'm not, you know, I'm focused on it, but I think going back to my experience in a family that was like, they didn't even know I existed. There is m- many reasons for that in their crazy minds. Listen, ask your kid, ask them questions, get to know them, let them express their difference, their individuality, Mm -hmm. so that they can feel heard, they can feel supported, because just going and standing in line with the crowd, and they have this extra stuff, first of all, because we intuit so much, we think, well, we first of all, we're told we're too sensitive, we're told... I was Sarah Bernhardt, you know, if you can even remember where that was from. You're too dramatic. And I just was expressive and passionate. I just wanted to be joyful and all of that. So really ask, you know, when your kid just don't go, well, I was your day-to-day fine. Really learn to know who your child is. Support Mm -hmm. them in their confidence by telling them that that's cool. You you know, what you the way you are is perfect. You, yeah. you know, you are perfect, really greatly reinforce that. And then if they're bullied and maybe they're not, they could be the captain of the football team. Some of them, we don't know. Right, right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that. But I think everybody faces that in school these days, it seems like, you know, trying fitting in. But but also, if you don't really, I wish I had had the confidence to just be cool with who I was. Yeah. So having a parent that really listens, that hears that or the kid says something like, I see that thing over there and it's this or that or the other and the parent doesn't see it. Asking them to tell you about what they're seeing. Acknowledge their gift. Right. Yeah, um, that's I'm awesome. The whole time. And, and you know something that was really interesting. I was on some kind of thing and it was a class and I was paired with a woman who is an empath. But she turned out to be one of the most successful ones because her parents supported her. And helped her build her confidence. And from nice. that point on, she just flies. And things will come to her because, as we know, when we get into that intuition, synchronicities show up. Things come easily. People that care about us because we're living in that higher energy. And it was because of her childhood. Nice. That's, that's so cool. I'm thinking of my niece. I have this niece that I adore. I, I adore all of my nieces and nephews. But, um, but there's one niece in particular who has always marched to the beat of her own drum. And I remember when she was just a toddler and she would, she would get crabby and cause there was too much stimulus and would want to go play alone. And, um, and uh, it just got into things and it was just curious. Um, and I remember saying to my mom, I think that, I think that Bobby Joe is a total introvert. She doesn't, she gets just worn out by all of this activity. Mom said, yeah, you're right. And my dad one time said, because he was, my sister and brother-in-law were both in the army and they were both in Iraq at the same time. So my parents were taking care of the nieces, uh, Bobby Joe and Sammy. And my dad said to me one time, if Bobby Joe says to me, grandpa, I'll be right back. He says, I know I better follow her. Because she's she's got something. At one time, he found her. She had st- was standing in the bathtub, and she poured an entire bottle of shampoo over her head. <laughs> um, but she was always. I just love this kid because she is quirky and, um, like in in middle school, she was doing. Um, she was like the the hall monitor and the the color garden, the things that, you know, would seem nerdy, but she just took them so seriously and was so thrilled to do it. And um, she would always choose like the, the strangest clothes to wear and the strangest socks and, and would uh, find things <laughs> on the way home from school. 
<laughs> like one time she found a discarded uh, fence and so she brought it home and put it up in her bedroom and her mom's like no you can't like all of these sort of quirky creative artistic things and her mom would be like no 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 you know and uh, and I just connected with this kid so much because it was like Bobby Joe I know that your mom doesn't get you I think your mom does now but I mean it's like I get who you are you crack me up I love your spirit uh, we were we were uh, all staying together. For, it was Thanksgiving time, and she and I were walking the dogs, and she was stopping and picking up these big rocks, and I and, she, and leaves and stuff. And I said, "What are you doing with that?" She said, "Oh, I'm, it's for my collection." I said, "Oh, I don't, I you know, I don't think we need. To, we should just leave those where they're at." And she goes, "Oh, do you think I should put the other ones back?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "I have a whole drawer full in the." And we had been there like one day and she had a drawer full of rocks and tw- twigs and leaves that she had collected in the, in the drawer of her, uh, in the, of the hotel suite. <laughs> I was like, anyway, um, I just love this kid. Cause I know that she is going to be up to big things, yeah. you know, and it's not going to be, you know, it, she's not on the normal college trajectory or, um, you know, um, but, but she is so connected to her creativity and to her heart and has never, she's now 19. She's still, um, like her best friend is my great niece who is, um, you know, a freshman in high school. So even when Bobby Joe was in middle school and this girl was in elementary school, Bobby Joe loved to play with her. You know, the things that most kids her age didn't want to play, but she wanted to play, right? And that was one of the things that you say on your website, let's play, you know, because I think that's at the heart of who we, it's the creativity, it's the playfulness, it's the um, being unafraid of our quirkiness and our, you know, eccentricities. You know, I'm extremely eccentric um, and hit it for most of my life, right? right? Right. You know, uh, partly I think because I was a gay boy and I was like, ooh, this is because I'm gay. And some of it is probably, but, um, but I just, um, I, I was, you know, looking at your website and I, you just have this message that's so powerful about people just being who they are. That was when I was looking at my family and I was exempt. I was an observer because I could see more. I mean, and of course, as a six or eight year old kid or whatever, I didn't know that I, I thought everyone was like me, which is a big come down because I would try to relate to people as this and share information. But I, I think that, you know, people, I, I would just look at these unhappy people that were playing these mind games with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean, to find out anything in my family, I had to look at through their drawers when they weren't there. I mean, that's how, and so I, I just wanted everyone to be happy, man. You know, just mm-hmm. like, can we just yeah. get along and do it and have some fun? Yeah. And I think we're all original thinkers in there. We might be in a very specific way, you know, like we like doing code, you know, and that's your thing. But everybody has these gifts. And when we connect to them, like I am to mine at this moment, I am happy no matter yeah. what. Yeah. I am like in nirvana, I'm high. And yeah, so every, yeah, for I sure. think everybody has that ability if they don't, they're not just marching to their parents' tune and they become attorneys. Right. Or whatever, but somehow right. at least allowing that to start to brew and to be able to learn to express it so they have those times when mm-hmm. they can be that, even if they're still doing something in society. Uh, I, I'm sure of it. I'm sure we all have a gift. We all are fit in some way together in some, you know, in, in the perfect world. I think we all have, we're all the pieces that fit in the puzzle that make it, would make it an amazing place to be and a healthy yeah. For sure. And I, I mean, I'm back in my youth and I spent a lot of time alone writing in my journal, listening to music, playing the piano, reading books, being creative. And I still do those things. I mean, I still have to be creative. I have to journal. I have to, you know, like if you saw the rest of my office, it's full of toys and, <laughs> and uh, just, you know, and um, because I, 
I think I've learned, Denise, you've learned, right? To create my environment, to, to give myself the things I need. And in my work as a coach, um, there's so many people who want that. They want to play more. Yes. They want to be, well, you know, I, the, the subtitle of this podcast is living your authentic life. And you use those same words on your, Um, on your website. And it was like, Oh wow. You know, like we are kindred spirits because it's about that. Like being your most authentic self again, like what would you love? You know, like how many people won't wear the clothing that they really love or the colors they really love or whatever, because it's like, Oh, it's, you know, what will people think, you know? And you know, the, the, um, there's a picture, my glamour shot that you, I think you saw on my wall, which is also my first. Blog. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you read the first blog, which is the most amazing story about fear and not allowing yourself to be, it was a miracle. And I, you know, I wish more people would read that story because it was really about, I was terrified. My mother was a beauty. She was a narcissist and she was gorgeous. And I was supposed to be less than. And here I am with the glamour. It took two years for me to go. Then I, you know, I had the glamour dress on. My shoulders are up past my ears the whole time. He's putting makeup on me. And I could see my mother standing up there going, how dare you? And it took two and a half hours to get that shot because I was so scared to be myself. And I always wanted so much and that it was film at the time that I, that I got, that I could get a picture as a comparison of the fear pictures he took of me. And then this one, because it was so obvious that it was, I was not me. But it took two and a half hours for him. He's sweating bullets to get <laughs> relaxed to get that last, the last one shot. And, wow. and because I was so terrified to be myself and to really reveal, you know, and, you know, it's always going to be an issue probably in this world because where do you fit? You know, how do you. Yeah. And how do we get beyond the fear? We have to practice love, the love, you know, the practices that support our heart, being able to ask ourselves, what does, what do we love or what makes us happy? Or, you know, what would it, it do? I want to just watch a funny movie. Who's my favorite, whatever. Uh, do I love to draw? Can I let myself take a class? Can I um, just really un- start to have a spiritual understanding? I think that's really important. A lot of people good, you know, like that's, you know, cause they always have the bad, an image of God and as it's controlled and it's all, everything is his fault and it's the famines and really getting spiritual, being able to bring that because that's where the heart and the soul are. And that's mm-hmm. part of it. So finding a place or books, I mean, I've been reading spiritual books like since I was 18, which yeah, were because I knew, I knew that how important that was. And that also feeds your heart and gives you permission to be more and more of who you are because we are all very unique and wonderful. Right. And I think we need to reclaim spirituality. Absolutely. And take it. I I don't know who said it or where I heard it, but religion requires spirituality, but spirituality does not require religion. Religion, in fact, can be the thing that destroys spirituality. A lot of times it has. It's just taken everything. And we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater because we're so convinced that, oh, if you're spiritual, you're religious. And that means you're going to, be stuck in dogma and doctrine and legalistic ways of living. And it's not that at all. Well, and, and, you know, they took out what that part of the Bible supposedly. And, and, and then there were the Essenes and groups that were more spiritual. All that was eliminated. I know you love the church, but. Mm. No, I, well, I, I, I've learned a history, you know. Yeah, no, but I, the Roman Catholic church, which is my upbringing, um, did a number on, people i mean it continues to i mean where are the women in the catholic church where are they like half of our population has no role right you can be a nun that's but has no role you know you know there's the gospel of mary magdalene which was not part of the canon exactly why why because yeah so um when i when i talk about loving the church i love the sacraments i love the ritual um but I, the hierarchy of the church, I could do without the, you know, I, I think it's, yeah, 
So anyway, that's another conversation. I think it's another conversation. And I always wanted to be Catholic because I was like you. I tried to be Catholic. Here I was sneaking into (laughs) people and would pray on my knees and cross myself. So uh, if you believe in other lifetimes, it might be. But I love love the feeling of being there. I loved, I knew, I knew. Why? Because it. Because it encompassed your senses, right? And, and I think because so many people prayed and the environment of prayer is so intense. In these right. So you felt the vibrations of this right. prayer. This right. Prayer. And I love and, it. I love and people it. who are very faithful and had really open hearts connected to the divine. The, the architecture is gorgeous. The smell of the candles and the incense. It does. It. Yeah. It's a. Uh, the costume, yep. the color. You know? I know, all of it, yeah. Yeah, I remember as a little boy, like, my dad would hold me up, you know, and stand me on the back of the pew in front of us so I could see what was going on at the altar because it was, like, fascinating. It was, like, magic, you know? Like, what is all this stuff, right? right. Um, yeah, so there was all of that. Yeah, and I right. love the ritual. I love right. the ritual. But the rest of it, yeah, the stuff created by man, not now, so much. It was about controlling people and so right. the masculine principle took over. And, you know, like you talk about the fall, I really do believe there was that, but that's another story because it so make, make, makes sense. Oh, of course. Yeah. It became the ego and ego started to rule the right. world and created right. it as it is. It's so obvious, but right. yeah, but, but inside, I mean, just one little thing that came to my mind to mention, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was a lady that worked with hospice patients forever and every single, uh, often, they, she would hear them say, gee, I wish I had been done more of my life, of who I am. I wish I had, I had done more and not just been fitting into a box. They have that pain that they didn't express their love and they didn't express their talents. And they just got the golden watch and walked out after 30 years and took care of their family and didn't allow you know, and, and, and they absolutely, that's before they die. People absolutely regret not allowing themselves to express their individuality or their talents or their love. Yeah. I think that's what I saw in my father as yeah. he, after he retired and really started knowing that his days on earth were, were numbered because he was very, you know, he was sick with COPD and, and, um, and it's funny because my father, who was, again, this very stoic man, did counted cross stitch and he did beautiful, beautiful oh. work. Like the backs are as beautiful as the fronts because he was meticulous. Um, and I think that was his outlook. That was his creativity. Yeah. So he found a way of expressing it. Um, and he would spend hours doing these, uh, these pieces. Um, and then there's a part of me that wishes I would have connected with him more on that level. Like, why do you love doing this? What's what's your favorite color? Like, there's so many things I just didn't know because of course because of him being shut down. And I think that's the gift of being an empath. And I think one of the takeaways is that we need to be the leaders. I know. <laughs> we we yeah, but and it's hard. But I think we maybe need to push it. Right? We need to sort of you know I have got I used to be incredibly shy. And now I've become this man who talks to strangers in the supermarket just because like, if I see somebody who's wearing a great t-shirt, I will make a comment or, you know, I just, because my desire to connect with people has gotten so much greater, the more spiritual work I've done, the more I've had conversations with people like you, the more people like you have just sort of, serendipitously showed him up in my life it's like i need this interaction i also think that i don't know this is true but i think at least that we have i have tremendous curiosity i every time i go oh yeah i went for a medical test and i'm asking her these questions like dr welby or something and i saw the hospital and i but you know because there's i have i can sense and feel so much and it's interesting you know, mm-hmm. it's not emotional. It's not political. It's just life stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I just absolutely agree with you. It's it's like, but being a leader, had I known that I would, I didn't have the anybody to really help me understand who I was. And so my fears took over because I was, ugh, I didn't belong. 
or I would have gotten that PhD that would have given me the street cred. See, I don't have street cred that way. I have me, and I always thought, I'm original, it's fine. I don't have to have that because I didn't understand. And I was scared that I wasn't good enough to even do it. I mean, that's how, how, how much of my fear ruled my life because my sensitivity up to fear was so big because I never got a lot of input about how to lead your life. Right. But you can't, I tried because I can go into an organization or I want to, but then everybody in front of me has the credentials and the PhDs and the, and works for whatever company. And it's, it's always been very challenging because I don't have that. And that's what the world So means. I'm going to tell you, Diana, you need to let that shit go. I know. Right. But I do think, I do think that, that, you know, speaking the language of A Course in Miracles, that's part of your individual curriculum. And I think the fact that you've overcome that fear and are continuing to overcome that fear, that is going to position you perfectly to help the people that God wants you to help. I hope because so. you're going, oh, I know so. I know so. Okay. Because, yeah, because um, cause there are other people out there just like you who don't have the PhD, don't have the credentials, but they know. They have this inner way of knowing. Um, so, um, yeah, so I know it's going to happen. You just have to trust, right? <laughs> <laughs> trust, surrender, believe, receive. <laughs> That's my mantra. Like, I, yeah. Um, Yes, that is the part, though, that when it is hard. Yeah, that's why burning off the fear and not and 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 going, wow, wouldn't it be is wouldn't it be amazing? Will it be amazing? Is it amazing when I don't have the fear telling me all this stuff that stops me from really showing up mm-hmm. and, and attracting and believing even, you know, mm-hmm. believing that I am in this God presence? And I just had a this notion right now. You, before we got on this call, we were talking about the course that you're going to be teaching and you talked about doing, you know, recording it on YouTube and putting it out there. Um, I think YouTube and social media are awesome ways of connecting. I wonder what it would be like to show up in that fear sometime on video. Ah, interesting. And, yeah. and let people sort of see you walk through it and get to the other side. Well, that would be like a Tony Robbins you know, firewalk with it because I, it usually doesn't show up. If I'm teaching, I'm, I don't even know what you're talking right. about. Right. And, and not only that, when I have in life, people have been scared of it because it's very intense in me. Yeah. It gets so – because, yeah. of, again, the extra mirror neurons, it makes my kind of fear and mm-hmm. my kind of anxiety ridiculously worse. Yeah. I don't yeah. used to take anything for it because I'm going to let it leave me. That's my – knowing but I, I i guess it would be really scary for me to be that vulnerable too yeah and, and, to and what i guess that would be to give to the world for people really because who, i think people want to see people still that are no ready. i think i think people who feel it want to know that other people feel it too i have a client that i work with who's bipolar and we've been working and talking about what are the gifts of bipolar what are the gifts of bipolar and she wants to do motivational speaking and, and writing and blogging. And I said, you know, and she has done uh, videos on Facebook where she's in the middle of a manic episode where she hasn't slept for days. Wow. And said, you know, Hey people, this is what it's like. I haven't slept for three days. You know, this is what I deal with. I'm just speaking from a place of truth. And I think, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I just think it's powerful for us to show up. You know, I just was reading a book called Teas for Transformation by Sean T, um, which I thought was going to be a book about exercise and diet, which is why I picked it up, because I need those two things in my life. Um, but it was more motivational. And it was really good. And one of the things that he talks about is your circle of five. You know, you need five, you know, who are your five people, uh, you know, that are part of your tribe. And then he said, you have to be able to show up, you know. Uh, talking about your financial struggles instead of not, you know, hiding those things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because he do. said, the more you, the more you hide them, the more that you stay stuck in them. And I was like thinking, yeah, I need to do that. I don't know? know if you're going to put this on here and probably I don't want you to. So this part, 
But I, I, you know, I'll do the print, like I did a free class, just talking about empaths, you know, describing. And I was like, this thing is, you know, so dull. It's so, it's so mental. I don't want to be that way. I want to be more emotional. But I think you're very, you hit the nail on the head. Um, in this next one, even if there's no one there but me, I want to learn how to let that show. But a lot of times people are scared of it. And I can't allow that to to have me stop me from being vulnerable, that I have and, gone through hell and I'm still here, you know? Yeah. And I don't know that we need to edit this out okay. because, because <laughs> I think that's so real, Diana. It's so real. Okay. It's so real. We see celebrities all the time putting their best foot forward and looking perfect. And we never, ever see, like Simone, Bo- Simone uh, Biles. Well, is that? Yeah. Biles. Yeah. Biles. Yeah. God bless her for being so open about the fact that she couldn't compete because she felt like the entire world was on her shoulders and she suffers from mental, um, mental illness. And she spoke about it with such vulnerability and beauty. And I was like, give that girl a gold medal just for that. Well, people because people won't talk it. about it. Yeah. But she also has success. And so it's that still, I don't know, that, that helps. But uh, Val Kilmer, uh, Val, it's a, it's, a, it's a documentary on Netflix. About his throat cancer, right? Talk about vulnerable and was almost imp- almost uncomfortable to see him telling about what his life has become. And yet it was amazing at the same time. But it was painful because he was this gorgeous thing. And then... I think throat cancer, mouth right. cancer or something. And yeah, throat cancer, yeah. Tube, and he's kind of a slob. And it's just like, it's shocking. But it was it was amazing that he had the courage to put that out. Right. Amazing. And I think we need to have the courage to say, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm a life coach and I want to present this image that everything's okay in my life. It's not. I have the same struggles. I have financial struggles like everybody does. I mean, we've just gone through this this pandemic, which, you know, my business took a hit, right? And so that's been difficult. You know, I, there are issues in my relationship with my husband from time to time, you know, um, it, it's life, real life is messy, yeah. and we can't sweep it under the rug. And those of us, I think, who are so sensitive to it, we feel it so much. That I think we do have a tendency to want to to hide it. Yeah, yeah, especially me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coming, coming from uh, you know upper middle class Jewish background where everything was success and get your PhD, and I've been this this crazy wild you know rebel that did not fit into any boxes. And then when I tried, that didn't work. And when I tried yeah. again, it didn't work. And yep. you know, bumbling along, but yet still alive and still my heart is bigger than ever. And we have to stop. Yeah. yeah. I am learning. It's an ongoing process for me, but I am learning to stop comparing myself to other people uh-huh. and to stop beating myself up for the things I haven't done. Yes. Like the things that haven't shown. Like, um, like, for instance, my husband and I finally own a home. We finally own a home. I didn't think it was ever going to be possible. And it's a mobile home. It's a manufactured home. And I have found myself almost wanting to apologize for the fact that I live in a trailer house. Because some part of me feels like that's not good enough. Yeah. What are my friends going to think? My friends who have beautiful homes and have been more successful than I have. And then I step back and say, but I love this house. I love it. And it's mine. We don't have a mortgage. You know, we were able to buy it because my husband got an inheritance, but so what, you know, just to be radically accepting of ourselves and others. And I think that people that are on the spiritual path, uh, I have another friend, he's a psychologist and he was talking about his, he lives in a trailer house and lovely and and how and doesn't have a lot of money and because he was working for nonprofits forever and how his brothers who are didn't even go to college like he did mm-hmm. 
and don't have his sensitivity. And he's like, he's done so many of the programs and studies and stuff, uh, you know, and, and, and that they have big houses and boats and it, you know, mm-hmm. there are times it's hard, but he, he is happy in his world that he has. It's just that comparison that makes you absolutely crazy. Right. And it's not necessarily the comparison so much as the idea of what do other people think? Right. Right. What do other people think about the fact that I'm happy with this? Yeah. Yeah. And going back to what you said when you were working in hospice or whatever, and you helped people, I don't know if it was hospice, but you've been around people who've died. Yeah. And what they think about isn't, oh, I wish I had a bigger house. Right. It's, I wish I had been more true to who I am. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The giant regret. Almost, I think it was this book. I can't think of her name. Almost the last thing they would say to her was that. That's how important it is. And she's seen, I don't know how many, you know, been with people that have passed away. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's just getting the support which is part of building our community to, to be able to have that and, and be kind of protected from the, especially as an empath, since we pick up other people's energy, being protected from this, the comparison, because it's around, there are so many, what are those new cars called Tesla's in this. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, and all this money, and I'm like sitting there going, how do I pay my rent now? But you know, (laughs) right. Well, I mean, well, those are the real struggles. Those are the real struggles. Someone's driving a Tesla and I'm struggling to pay my rent. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we can sort of feel like, oh, you know, the whole world crashing down. And and I think part of my practice, at least, is to be in gratitude for what I have and just okay. trusting, trusting that if I follow my heart, if I come from my heart, which is the center of where God is, it's the seed of the soul as uh you know, uh, Gary Zukav wrote, if we come from there, we're going to be fine. But we're not necessarily going to then get a, a Tesla. You know what I mean? We have to be fine with whatever shows up and not be attached to it. That's the hard part. Right. And I, um, so one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is seek, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Right. So seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, that's love and his righteousness. Righteousness is right use of the mind and all these things. So if we're heart centered and love centered first, we have to have faith that God knows how much our rent is. God knows what will make us most happy. So on that note, on that note, Diana, please <laughs> tell people where they can find you, okay. how they can get in touch with you. Well, my website is called True Heart Training, and that that can, it, that expression came about a long time ago, and I love alliteration, but it really is training, training your heart, getting into that. Uh, so it's uh, True Heart Training with one T in the middle of a train. What is it? <laughs> I'm also left in training. So then, instead of putting two T's between. Uh, Heart and training, just one T because people won't find it unless dot com. Yeah. So spell it as true heart, true heart raining dot com. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And then I'm going to be doing uh, classes next Wednesday and Saturday, and they're on Eventbrite. And I think I also have them on my site. I've never tried to see if I could, you know, both. And, And it's called Loving Yourself as a Sensitive Person. And it really is a beginning survey of understanding the, how we've been stuck in our minds and, and being able to really start going into our hearts and some of the practices, you know, it's only an hour that, that we can in, involve in, into really supporting ourselves. We have to build, we have to build the walls and the floor around us to be able to thrive because it's not something that's out there. So I have those. Those are on Eventbrite, and you have to click on online programs. Right. So, yeah, as you go to Eventbrite, click on online programs, and then do a Google or a search for loving yourself, and it will right. come up right there. I'll yeah. also put it on – well, there's actually a link on the Manifesting Brilliance page on Facebook, no, so you can you find it somewhere. there. Yeah. Um, and if the people want to email you to connect with you for a one-on-one session or whatever, how, what's your email well, address? Well, you can do a one-on-one session for 30 minutes. So you come down. I have one of those kind of cascading websites. So you go down to the bottom, yep. 
and put on your email and, you know, I'd like to meet with you. And then that'll get sent to me and we'll set up a session. That okay. Okay, great. That. So, so yeah. So find uh, Diana at trueheartraining.com, <laughs> which I think is kind of a cool uh, play on words. Yeah, as well. I guess I yeah. just didn't want to put these in. It looks stupid. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, but I, really, so- I really would love to talk to anyone. I'd love to, because when, even just in my conversation, I, I can't see them as anything but perfect. I, you know, I, and I don't even know these people and I right. know they're perfect. And, and yeah. I know that's hard for them to hear, but I can't help being, you know, a cheerleader for love. I can't help it. Yeah. So go to her website, sign up for her, uh, for her newsletters, uh, check out her blog posts. Um, Diana's a prolific writer. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, and if you're interested in connecting with me or the podcast, you can email me at manifestingbrilliance at gmail.com. You can find me on all of the socials. Um, uh, uh, manifesting brilliance. Um, if you've listened to, if you're listening to our podcast on any of the platforms and you're loving what, what we talk about here, please take a moment to rate the podcast, share it with your friends. Um, when you rate the podcast, it makes it more likely that other people will find this content. So, uh, thank you so much, uh, for your time today, Diana. Thank you to all of you for listening and, Let's all find a way to play from the center of our hearts today. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jerome. You're welcome. Thank you.